I've enjoyed being with you all, yous, youins, yous guys, whatever. When I got down to New Jersey, uh, my wife was saying uh, to some of the kids at the Christian school, they're coming in, and how y'all doing? And they said, did you hear her? She said, y'all, how y'all doing? And so I was always hearing yous guys, so I thought they were all female sheep, yous. But uh, after a while, I got used to it. But anyway, uh, they couldn't pull the wool over my eyes anymore. So... Um, I lived in Rochester. I was saved in Rochester, New York. I went there to work at Kodak, and then I later found out what developed. Amen? Uh, anyway, you that are of the digital age, you may not get that one, but we used to have to develop our film back then, sort of date or age myself here. But the reach, when I think of reach, I think of stretching. I think of growth. And extending and going to another region, perhaps, as Paul said, that when your faith is increased, that you know, he could go to the re- regions beyond. And uh, we've been able to go a lot of places, but I stop and think back to my early days. Another sense of reaching is growing, going to that next level, to the ne- next step. So let's first of all start in Second Peter chapter 3. Let's all stand in honor of God's word if you're able to. And uh, we'll look at... 2 Peter 3.18. 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Lord, I'm asking that you would help each of us to see in our lives what you see. Lord, you know whatever level we're at, whatever spirituality we're at. Lord, maybe there's somebody here that's never been saved. I'm asking you to speak to each individual as we need to be spoken to. Lord, those that aren't saved, help them to see their lost condition. Convict them, Lord. Help them to really fully understand and believe that Lord Jesus died on the cross to pay for all their sin and help them to turn to him and receive that as the full payment of their sin. Lord, for those of us that are saved, I ask that you'd help us to grow spiritually edify, strengthen, help us to go to another level because of decisions made in each heart today. Lord, most of all, glorify yourself in every thought, every word, and every decision that's made. Please, Lord, speak to our hearts. Change us, Lord. Lord, we don't want to only be stirred up. We want to be changed. I'm asking that you'd help us to leave here more like you than we were when we arrived today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Maybe seated. So first of all, We need to be saved. I'll tell people, until you are born, you can't learn how to walk and run and play football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, uh, write, do any of those things till you're born. And you cannot grow spiritually unless you're born again. So first of all, I've met some people and they say, well, I just don't seem to be able to grow as a Christian and I find out they were never born. So it's not astonishing that one doesn't grow spiritually if they're not saved. So number one, in order to grow spiritually, first of all, make sure you're born again. Now, now, nextly, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 47. I love illustrations. I've, ch- I've taught children's ministries for years. And then when I go to Africa, many times the language barrier makes it so I really need to illustrate to make it clear what I'm intending to say, what the scriptures are saying. And so I love illustrations. And I find a very good illustration of growth And um, often I'll call this message going deeper with God. So let's uh, look at verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 47. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. 
For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. So this is a prophecy. One day the Lord's coming back. A lot of things are going to happen. The temple, just many different things. And again, that's a primary interpretation, but I'm going to draw an application from this in a moment. Verse 2. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. Verse 3, I'm going to jump down 3. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. A cubit is probably about a foot and a half. And so a thousand cubits would be 1,500 feet. And uh, in America, at least, it's 100 yards for, in the United States, it's 100 yards for a football field. So that would be the length of five football fields. So a um, thousand cubits is approximately that length. That's pretty far. Uh, verse um, 3, about the middle, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. So you imagine, you look out here and you go out about 1,500 feet and the water is gradually getting deeper. It's up to the ankles. Then we see in verse 4, again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. So it's getting deeper. By 3,000 feet, it's up to the knees. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through. The waters were to the loins. So that's up to about the waist almost. Verse 5, afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And so this is a really interesting thing to see, and, and I don't know if you've ever gone down to Lake Erie, and now there may be some sudden drop-offs, but there's some places that it goes out gradually, and you can go out quite a distance before it's so deep. How many of you know how to swim? How many of you don't know how to swim? Say, so imagine if the water was up to the, the ceiling here, how are you going to be? You're going to be kicking and struggling if you don't know how to swim, amen? And so just imagine this individual, Ezekiel, saying, I was in waters that were so deep. But it was a gradual progression, and growth in the Lord is likewise a gradual pro, uh, progression. When I think of ankles and feet, I th- so let's get in ankle deep, Amen. So let's take this little journey. Let's grow a little bit today. Let's launch out a little bit. Let's go deeper with God. So you get to the ankles, I think of our walk. Amen? I think of just beginning. If you're not saved, you're not even in up to the ankles. And you can go no deeper with God until you you first get saved. Then you can start extending and, and enlarging your walk with God. And we're talking about missions particularly today, reaching out, your involvement in world evangelization, in giving, in prayer, in going, in witnessing. There's people that have been saved for 15 or 20 years that have never even given their testimony to people. That's a shame. I hope there's nobody like that in here. But if that's where you are, you're in ankle deep maybe. You say, yes, missionary, I'm saved. I'm into the ankles. Well, the first thing that we think about the walk also is your walk clean. Psalm 119, verse 105, the the word of God says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sometimes we'd be in Africa at night and in a lot of those villages, they didn't have any electricity at all. And so I'd be out there and these guys, they could go by the starlight. They knew where everything was and they're jumping over the, the roots and running along and I'm stumbling along. I couldn't see. I sure was glad when somebody brought a kerosene lantern out there. And so I'm looking and God's word is the same. Right where I am right now, I can see whatever's there. 
There I could see if there's a snake in the path or if there's a root I would have tripped over or if there was something, that uh, a place that dropped off, I'd fall off. It helped me to see where I was. God's word will show you where you are today and what you should do today. You need to spend time. If you don't spend time in the word of God, you'll go no deeper with God. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So we think about the cleansing part. And when you get in there, you can cleanse your feet off. I don't know if you've ever had dirty feet and you just splash them in a little bit of water here and there and it just gets that grit, that sand or dirt, whatever off. And so I think of that first step. Now we're going to come back. Well, you don't No, We won't have to come back here. I already explained it, but let's go to John chapter 13. But I'm going to come back to the thought. You don't have to turn back to that scripture. But do turn to John 13. And this would be what we call the Last Supper. When Jesus had finished the dinner, he takes the towel and then he goes to wash their feet. And most of you, if not all, are very familiar with this passage of scripture. We'll start in verse 4. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Imagine that. What, what do you think Peter said? Some of you already know. Let's, let's read what he says. He said, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I'm all in, Lord. Lord, I'm, in, I'm getting in. He wanted to be in more than ankle deep. Amen? Each of us had a desire, God, where am I in your plan for world evangelization through this church to reach out? We need revival in our church. We need individual spiritual growth. And then we need collective unity and working to get the gospel around the world. And I know the church has been doing this for many years and decades. But again, there's always more that God might want us to do that we hadn't even thought about. Or maybe we did well up to now, but we've got a new week and a new year. Last generation might have been reached with the gospel, but we have to reach this generation. And I believe with all my heart, if every born-again believer would do exactly what God wanted them to do, then we could reach every soul in the entire world in our generation with the gospel. I have no doubt about that. God's given us the commission. Every, Every local church around the world, if we're all doing, every member, every individual would do what we ought to do, we'd be launching out deeper with God and every soul would at least hear the gospel. But every day there's more being born. So, I mean, you get done going through one country and you're going to, you know, by the end of the time you do that, you need to start again because there's a whole lot of people that have been born in and are growing. Are you even in ankle deep? How's your walk? Now, let me, let, let me continue here in John 13. So, Peter wasn't understanding what Jesus was trying to show him. There's several different things he's trying to show him. One, of course, is humility and serving others. But I believe this helps us to, it's a good illustration of eternal security. I believe once you're saved, all you got to do is clean up your walk every now and then. You cannot lose your salvation. How can you lose something you could have never done anything to obtain to start with? And we don't keep ourselves saved. He keeps us saved. But we need to clean our walk every now and then. So maybe you need to stay there a while and get your walk cleaned up. You'll go no deeper with God until you have a holy life. When those angels in in, uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 6 were seen by Isaiah, they weren't saying love, love, love. 
They weren't saying joy, 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 although there's a lot of love and joy around God. What were they saying? Holy, holy, holy. God is a holy God. And if you don't want to have a holy life, you'll go no deeper with him. You won't be able to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to make sure your walk with God is clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. First, get in, get saved. And then then let me read here in verse um, 9. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are, are, are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, you're not all clean. He's talking about Judas. Judas was never saved. Judas was a thief in his heart. And he says, one of you is a devil. Judas, Jesus said that to the disciples, speaking of Judas. So Judas was not saved, but the others were. So he says, all you need to do is clean up your walk. Today, if you've got any sin in your heart, God is showing you right now, or something's been nagging and you're having a hard time getting getting rid of it, you need to get that cleaned up or you're not going to be able to go to the next step. Let's start with being holy. And we can't, I don't care how much discipline you have, you'll never have enough discipline to make yourself holy. Many times in Africa, I'll ask them, what color am I? They say, you're white. And then I'll hold a piece of paper. I said, which is more white, this one or this one? They said, that one, really, you're beige or peach or whatever other color. Uh, And I said, when we think we're holy and we start meditating on the Lord and on the scriptures and comparing ourselves to him, we see we're not so holy, amen? We need to be like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. We need to see in our, by faith in our hearts, through our spirit, the Lord hind lifted up in his holiness. And then we'll get clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? You don't have to work it out. You just believe it and trust it. He's already finished. He says it's finished. He didn't say it's just beginning. No, it's finished. Amen? We need to just apply that and wash your walk. So then you say, okay, that's great. Uh, I'm saved. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, my, my, my life is the way it ought to be. I have a clean walk with God. Well, then let's go a little deeper then. Amen? Let's go to the knees. When I think of knees, I think of prayer. If you don't have a prayer life, you're not going to go very far with God. You think, well, I want to serve. I want to get into other things. Well, you need a prayer life because if you jump steps and you try to serve God without a prayer life, it's going to be anemic, it's going to be sterile, and it's not going to be fruitful. Amen? You need to establish a true and earnest and real and a faith-filled prayer life with God. You pray without ceasing. I mean, you can pray all the time. Some people cease without praying is the problem. I mean, I'll be sitting behind my uh, the the things, uh, or the um, steering wheel. And, and so I'm sitting there, and I come up to stoplight, and I'm just talking to God, and I look over, and I see some guy looking at me. You know, what's wrong with you? I'm just praying without ceasing, amen? And you can, now, don't, some people say, well, do I have to close my eyes and, and, uh, and get on my knees? Well, that'd be kind of rough going down the road trying to drive. And You can pray. Your heart ought to be in that humbled position, amen? You'd be amazed to see what God would do if you had the prayer life you need. We started a, a work up about two hours away, this was the fifth church, sixth church that uh, was started through our ministry. And it was started up in Mopoji. It was next to the uh, Mopo River. And uh, Mopoji G means next to the river. So Mopoji. And it was started through the second church that I started. A man had gotten saved. He was coming to the church. He was in the Bible college. Then his father died, and he had to go back to oversee their little uh, garden plantation. And so when he went back up there, he started witnessing, and souls started getting saved. And that developed. And I went up there, preached. We had crusades and whatnot. But it grew and it grew and it grew. It was growing faster and better than any of the other churches. And I was there pastoring. 
I'm saying, they don't have me up there. How could they be doing that well? No, I wasn't to that point, but somehow in the back of my mind, sometimes we do think that. But we were praying, Lord, I can't get up there. Lord, they need your help. I found I was praying more for that work than I was the other works. And then I, I'm pretty, pretty, I do okay in math, and so I put one and one together and figured it was two. I need to pray more. And the more you pray, the more God works. Amen? You, you want to reach out? You want to grow spiritually? You want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're in ankle deep. Make sure your walk is clean. No unconfessed sin. And God will give you the victory over whatever it is. Amen? Then you get in and you pray like you're out of You pray for each other. The first church I started, we had a prayer meeting from 6.30 till 7 every morning except for Sunday on my front porch. And we'd have 10 to 15 typically coming. Mostly 13, 14 people. And they were on their way to school, on their way to work. Or maybe they didn't work or they, they were older or whatever and they didn't have a regular job so they could come. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and I really believe that that's one of the main reasons that that work really developed and God did something you need to pray for your church you need to pray for the pastor you need to pray for your missionaries pray for each other how many of you believe that if everyone in this church would pray for you fervently every day that man God would protect you and bless you and help you and give you wisdom how many believe that amen I mean I, I believe that if you all prayed for me every day it'd be amazing to see the results I believe I do have a lot of people in a lot of churches praying for me. So really, I'd be ashamed if I didn't have something to show for it. With all that prayer coming for me and the ministry that God's called me to, to whom much is given, much is required. There's a whole lot of people sacrificing time to pray for me, amen, and my family. So it shouldn't be astounding that something's happening, amen? So how many of you would like it if everybody in this church prayed for you every day? Would you like that? Well, do unto others as you'd have others doing to you. Pray for each other, Amen. If you don't already have a list of every, everybody that's a member, you ought to get one and then pray for them every day, every day. I, I have no idea what God might do if that happened on a regular basis the way it ought to. And probably some of you already do that, amen? You say, okay, we're up to the knees. We're, we're praying. What do we do now? Now it's up to the loins. When I think of the loins, I, think, I used to wrestle, and so I'm thinking the center of gravity. And then if, if, if you've ever done any martial arts, you know that that balance is really important, your center of gravity. Uh, running back, if he can keep his center of gravity lower, he's tougher to take down. If he's up higher, it's easier to, to tackle him. And so I'm thinking of labor and service, and the Bible does talk about they were girding up their loins for battle or for, for labor. You need to get in. Many of you are involved, but maybe you've not been in service. There's something you can do. yes. You need to clean life. Yes, you need to have a prayer life. But now what are you doing? And I'm sure if you ask the pastor, he could figure out something that you, in your age, your, your gifts, your spiritual maturity, that you could fit in and be a help with. If you're already doing that, great. Keep on growing. That, the last step's for you guys, amen, you ladies. But maybe you are just been waiting, and now you say, I'm going to get that prayer life. Don't jump steps. If you try to jump into the service, God's not going to bless. When I was in Rochester, New York, I got saved, and I was an introvert. And a lot of people don't see, they say, you're not an introvert. I was. I was so shy, I couldn't lead in silent prayer, and that's pretty shy. And, and just talking to other people, I wasn't used to hearing my voice out loud. And after a year of being in church, the preacher was preaching, we need a bus captain. I didn't know what a bus captain was, but I surrendered. After a year, I realized I need to go and help with that, and I'd go out. And so the pastor, he, uh, I show up on a Sunday night, and, and I told him, I said, look, God's called me to be a bus captain, 
And I didn't know I was ever going to be a preacher or a missionary, but I just knew right then I was supposed to do that. I worked at Kodak. I was going to night school at RIT. So I was busy layman in the church, but I knew that's something I could do. So now I had, in fact, got up to that point. So I can say that I know what I'm, I've experienced this very thing. So I got into the service and I started visiting. So the next day we had seven people come. And the second week we had, um, or that first Saturday I went out on visitation. Oh, I, I, I prayed for the courage all week to be the silent partner. I tell you that. He says, you come Saturday. This is the Sunday night. He says, Brother Jeff, you come Saturday. I'll show you how it's done. I come Saturday. He says, Jeff, we got a problem. This um, uh, couple's having problems. I got to counsel them. So you take these three teenagers and show them how to go door knocking. I said, I don't know how to go door knocking. I surely have some appointment I forgot about somewhere. I was trying to worm my way out of it, but I went. I knew that I was supposed to be there. And we had seven come on, mom and dad, their two kids and three other kids. Well, then it went on. And the sixth week, I couldn't believe it. 70 people got on that bus. I couldn't believe it. And I actually actually asked them, what are you all coming for? I asked them that. They said, you invited us, didn't you? I said, yeah, but I didn't really think you'd come. And some of the workers were laughing at me for months after that. I said, I didn't. I was astounded. But people were praying. There were people that maybe were older or not really strong and healthy, but they could pray. And so I recruited people to pray. We saw the fruit of prayer. Amen. Some people might have thought it was me. No, it was the prayer. I needed to do my part. I needed to get in that deep and serve. Don't just stay on your knees if you're able to physically get out and do something. But pray before you go. Amen. And pray while you're going. And then the pastor says that day, Jeff, you are a new bus director. I said, well, that's going to be easier than what I've been doing these last six weeks. I, make, I go out and direct the bus, make sure they don't hit any kids. He said, no, no, no. you got to recruit workers. We're going to buy new buses. And we're going to fill them up. And you're going to be training people. And, and do. I said, I don't even know what I'm doing. You just show them how to do what you don't know how to do. It'll work out great. That's what he told me. And before long, we had three bus routes running about 200, and I was astounded. They thought I knew it all. I didn't. I, was, I learned if I, you're a half an inch ahead of somebody, they think you're the great uh, leader. I'm thinking, I'm learning as I go, and I'm just showing them. God did it. When you don't skip steps, God will bless what you do. And there's a lot of people that try to jump over the prayer life, jump over the holy life, and they think God ought to bless because they're sweating and going, they're organized, they got the plans. You need to be pure and holy, and you need to be praying, and then God's going to be able to do something. Amen? And so then we start, he says, we got a problem, Jeff. The Sunday school teachers all want to quit. They can't take it. All these unchurched kids coming, bouncing off the walls. It's out of control. And I said, I'm doing my job. I'm bringing them in. It's their job to teach them. He says, no, we're going to rent this theater that's been closed down about a mile down the road for the last couple of years. And we're going to rent it for a B Sunday school. So the church will be A Sunday school. That's B. You're going to direct it. You're going to teach it. You're going to lead it. I said, I don't know how to teach. Well, it's your fault they're coming in, so you're going to do it. Well, it sounded reasonable to me. And I was terrified. And I I don't advise that normally in leadership doing that. But anyway, God allowed things to happen. And then the first time I got up to teach, afterwards they said, brother, you got the gift of teaching. I said, what's that? I didn't even know there was a gift of teaching. And uh, I mean, I was that early on in. And they said, no, couldn't you see those kids? You you could drop a pin. They were paying attention. And you could hear the pin drop. And I said, well, I guess I was just hurrying up trying to get through my lesson there and sit down. And I found out by serving that God had given me different spiritual gifts. And if you're saved, you've got a spiritual gift. And sometimes you won't find out what it is until you help with this and help with that and help with this. And then God will be 
blessing in a special way. If your life is clean and you're praying the way that God wants you to pray, God will just supernaturally, and to him it's naturally, just bless what you're doing. And this church needs each and every one of you to do your part. Amen? Don't worry about what somebody else is or isn't doing. You do your part. Amen? But man, again, you don't jump in uh, to get up to the loins. You, you have to go through God's process. We are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the fourth is water so deep you got to swim in it. <laughs> now, I, I, when I was a little kid, I used to go canoeing sometimes in the Adirondack Mountains and sometimes the, uh, uh, down at where New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania came together, the top of the headwaters of the Delaware. We'd go there this, the, in the spring. The snow is melting and it's raining and all that water brings up and you got white waters. I was a little scrawny 11-year-old kid in the canoe just digging, but I learned the tricks of how to cut through and go straight and a lot of the other guys they had their backpacks they'd get out they'd walk a quarter mile i'd run back up and i'd jump in that thing and me and my buddy and we'd take it it was better an amusement park for us and uh, we just had a great time but really we we saw I, I learned a lot of lessons from that if you go broadside you're going to flip over if you're going where the water's shallow you're going to hit the rocks and the logs if you're too close to the shore you're going to get jammed up i learned the best place is go where it's deep and that's how it is in walking with god you just let go. We all like to keep our foot a little bit on the ground. God, you know, I want to have a little control here. Amen. No, God wants you. Maybe you've already had that clean life. You've been saved and you're walking the way you should and you're praying and you've been serving. You need to say, God, I'm willing to go that extra step. Now I want to get in over my head. I want to go so that it's only you and everybody knows you're the one doing it. You will never know what God can do with you until you get to that point, but you can't skip steps. Amen. A lot of people, how'd you do this? How'd you do this? Well, you pray, you have a clean life, and you, and, and you, 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 you just serve and do the best you can. For long, we uh, go back to Rochester, we had five bus routes running between 300 and 350. I didn't know. What, we had 30 workers. One guy said, if he can do it, anybody can do it. And uh, they, they knew it was God, and it wasn't me. Amen? God blessed. There were souls saved. And, and, and I wouldn't have found out if I didn't go through this process. What does God want you to do? Well, anyway, somewhere along the line, God called me to preach. I go to Bible college, and I, I majored in pastoral theology. And I said, God, if you don't show me something different, I'm going back to Rochester or New York State and start a church. I was burdened to, to see churches started and people hearing the gospel. Three months before I graduate, missionary Rick Martin to the Philippines was preaching in our church, Sunday night service down in uh, Windsor Hills Baptist Church, Oklahoma City. Uh, it was in January of 84. And so I'm, I'm sitting in, I'm in the choir. And uh, now my wife, she, I, I tell people, my wife, she can harmonize and I can harm your ears. Amen. But anyway, um, but I was in the choir and uh, the pastor, Dr. Vineyard, he says, now you're going to meet this offering at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, that's pretty sobering. Thought. And, and you're going to meet whatever you do at the judgment seat of Christ. But anyway, so I'm sitting there, I open my wallet and I'm thinking, I want to give. All I had was $20 bill. That's it. And I thought, Lord, why didn't you let me go to, remind me to go to the 7-Eleven? I could get some mints or gum or something, break the 20. I'm not going to get paid till Friday. My car's on empty. My refrigerator's on empty. My stomach's on empty. I'm a Bible college student. That's all I've got between me and starvation. And uh, Sunday till Friday, Lord, why did you let this happen to me? I mean, that's, that's really what my first knee-jerk reaction was. Well, then I thought, well, wait a minute. Here comes the basket. I can make change. I really thought that. 
I'm thinking, okay, you know, if there's a 10 and a five, you know, I can give something here and I'll still have something to get by this week. And then I saw the way we are, everybody's going to see it and that's not going to work. And so, and you see just kind of how, how I, how much I didn't get it on some things. Amen. But anyway, that batch is coming by and the Lord put, impressed my heart. If you can't trust me to take care of you till Friday, how are you going to trust me when you get out of college and you're in the ministry and you need a bus or a building or a heating bill or whatever it is? I said, Lord, I trust you completely. I mean, I'm glad that I had that opportunity to really t- t- take a, a good check of myself. So then anyway, I put the 20 in there and um, I went by. And during that message, and it wasn't because I did that. That was just part of the whole thing. But that night, there's no doubt about it. I know that God showed me clearly he wanted me to go to Ivory Coast, Africa. He doesn't need my money. He can come up with whatever he needs to take care of things. He needs my heart. And that was simply an extension of what was going on inside my heart. And so I was totally surrendered. Maybe he'd been trying to talk to me before and I was holding back. So I just wasn't as sensitive as I should have been. I don't know. But anyway, it was clear. He wanted me to go to Africa. And boy, I went for it. My jaw's going, I mean, I'm just broken and melted. And, and uh, I'm thinking, God, you want me to be a missionary? I didn't know how to be a missionary. And uh, I'm still learning. Amen. But anyway, um, so that was great. And so the next Monday morning, I was janitor at my church and college at that time. So my job was before sunup, I had to go out, gather up all the Kentucky Fried Chicken and McDonald's papers that had been thrown by cars going by and and blew up against the building and beer bottles, whatever was all out there. So I'm out there picking stuff up and I found a $5 bill. Amen. (sighs) I'm glad I did my work. Amen. (laughs) And and it's just like God said, don't worry, I can take care of you. You know, what's $5? Well, it's something, amen. Tuesday, after college chapel, a student comes up to me, Brother Bassett, last year you lent me $20. I've got to pay you back. God's been working on me. I got to do it. I said, I didn't lend you $20. He says, you did. I said, it must have been somebody else. I didn't remember it. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I'd have with some help people, but I didn't remember it. He says, just take it. He says, just, just take it. And so... The Lord gave me back $25 in two days, and he got me through. And again, I realized, Lord, I need to trust you, even if there's no sign of being able to make it. But you don't get there unless you're going through this process, amen? God had already been bringing me through a process. And then when we got over to Africa, I had no clue what I was going to do, but God did it. And so now, I'm asking you, what level are you at? Have you ever gotten up to your ankles? Are you even saved? If not, you need to get saved. Trust Jesus Christ. We don't want to see you thrown into hell someday. If you are saved, any sin in your life, get your life totally pure and right with God. You can do it. And you might have even already done it, even as the preaching is going on. And then make sure that your prayer life is right. If you try to pray with sin in your life, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Amen? You see, to me, when I saw that, I thought, that's a really good illustration of a progression of growth. That wasn't the original meaning, but it certainly fits well so let's be clean let's pray and serve maybe you say well i used to serve well if you still can and you got a little time maybe things have happened that you got blocked lord what do you want me to do how what what depth is it that you're at what what is it that you're not surrendering then finally lord if you want me to go to africa i remember jumping uh we used to jump in those waters of the and we just body surfed down those rivers and uh when i did if i went to the left it took me over here if i if the river is going to the right I went over there. Whatever the river decided is where I went, and that's how God's will is. People say, how did you get to what you're doing? I don't know. I just jumped in the middle of God's will, and I was so deep. Waters you got to swim in, and God knew what he was doing. 
And many of you can testify he's done that in your life. Let's make sure we're in so deep with God that he's the one leading and guiding. And people say, you're the luckiest person. No. When God's guiding, things happen. Amen? According to his time. Let's all stand with our heads bowed, eye closed. I'm going to turn it over to the pastor.